Brought to you by Hope University, you are tuned in to Purpose Therapy. On our show, we interview mission entrepreneurs all over the world. Our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas to help you see that your journey is your purpose. All right, so we got Dr. Jason Plunkett in the building. Uh, I'm super excited. Uh, He's one of my biggest mentors that I got right now. Um, so just quick recap of him. He's been, uh, he's, uh, he has 18 years of experience of just, uh, counseling. He's a founder of a leading consultant company called true solutions consultant group. Um, he sits on the board of three different nonprofits that focus on advancing the youth as well as those in need. Um, he's also the United States director of Zoe international, which their mission is to end child trafficking internationally. He's also a proud husband. Uh, a father of four. He earned his bachelor's degree in uh, sociology at Cal State Northridge, and he earned his master's degree in uh, psychology with the emphasis in marriage and family therapy. He's also went on to go get his doc- doctor's degree uh, in organizational management and consulting and uh, at Phillips Graduate University, and um, which is also an uh, organizational uh, psych- psychologist. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you for ha- coming in here and uh, just being able to, to share a little bit about your journey. One of the biggest things that really uh, just uh, really pushes me back and just thinking about where you came from and where you are today uh, is, is super powerful and an inspiration. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like where you came from and where you're at today? And, and, and yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure so, yeah. so much. And it's always an honor to work with you, Garrett. <laughs> Um, so I am the only child of a single mother, uh, who had me at 18, but came from Belize to America, uh, at 17 years old. Wow. And her heart's desire was, was two things for me to get a high education and for me to continue to follow the Lord. So her concept was basically that I was going to be a doctor one day and a pastor one day. And hence I am right now. <laughs> After a long, long ups and downs, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a I had a relationship with my pops, but he didn't want to stay in America. My mom is actually the exact exactly what everyone's kind of talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Leave your country for the better life because you want to better your family type of thing. Seventeen years old, um, so she had me and struggled. So we lived in all kind of neighborhoods, Bloods, Crips, Essays, all the above. But her whole goal is always to kind of keep me out of that life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sad thing is that I've had family in that life before, so sometimes. My, my role models weren't attorneys. My role models were driving uh, lowriders and wow. wearing Cortezes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want a suit. I wanted some Cortezes. Right? <laughs> uh, so never made, never became any major gang member or anything like that, but still lived that life, still lived the street life, still started my own clique with friends and family, uh, friends and family doing ridiculous stuff yeah. all the time. Got tatted, got, so got gang related looking tattoos and got LA on me and all these various things, got in trouble. Several times, but thank God for a, a loving, praying mom who kind of just kept me uh, out of a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, growing up, growing up, my my education and the fact that it sounds cocky, so sorry how it sounds, but the fact that I've been smart has really saved me from so many different things. Mm-hmm. Times where they wanted to kick me out of school, they kind of kept me in just because. So were, were you in any gang affiliates or you just looked like a, a gangster? Well, kind of a little bit of both, right? Yeah. So not 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 a member of a street gang, mm-hmm. right? Not that been around that life per se, yes. But we were we were basically an organized group that says uh, we're gonna be better than them. We're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna do something different. Yeah. Uh, 
so we had a specific name for ourselves, but I won't even mention it right now. <laughs> uh, but I still have those tattoos on me, so I yeah. still got to explain it to my kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we started doing things on on different levels that you know um, wasn't Christian, mm-hmm. put it that way. So even what, though I came to know the Lord when I was six years old. Wow, that's crazy. So what was like? I know you said it was like not necessarily gangster related, but it was like in the middle of more like we could do things better. What would be like? What was the the overall goal well, within you know that clip? I can't snitch too much on myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but no, we had a bunch of friends that just we really did whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. Could no one tell us nothing. I don't care what gang, mafia, cartel that you was a part of. You couldn't tell me nothing. I I, I just put that on a blog or something like that. That I live my life to the point, and I, I, I kind of still feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. I believe just like everybody else. So couldn't no one stop me. I don't care where you're from or what you was a part of. Mm-hmm. And we just had a group of gentlemen that were kind of like the same same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how you throw up gang signs? Our gang sign was basically the middle finger. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I, I don't care about what you what you standing for. And right. I don't care what gang you was a part of or anything like that. So when we went to the club, we went to the club and we were represented. No, could not one person tell me nothing, literally. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh <laughs> yeah, that's a different level, all right. Yeah. So I mean, on average, like how many fights would you be involved in no, like what? that was just a, a daily to weekly thing so Dang. couldn't no one say my, my my our our thing and my thing was um don't talk mm-hmm. so you know uh, i'll have my i'm gonna have, have my hands talk talk for me yeah the sad thing is that by the time even when i was uh walking with the lord and all that i was like my hands is still like my first go-to because yeah. i can trust those yeah i gotta still find scripture i still gotta <laughs> find psychological theory yeah. my hands was always my first go-to right yeah so we were always in those type of situations uh thank god for my wife she kind of walked me out of that process yeah uh, the, my our first date we're at cal state northridge our first date took her out someone threw uh through it was walking really slow and i think he threw like something at the car don't really know maybe maybe i maybe i maybe i thought he did and he didn't so just yeah fully honest and he uh i told me get out and i and i, and I, and I honked the horn he didn't want to get out <laughs> I socked him up and socked up his own boy. And I was on the first date with my wife. And, and the thing is, she's a fighter. She has a black belt taekwondo, and she's fought all her life as well. So she, that, that was actually sexy to her. Oh, yeah. cool. That's said, you're going to be my homie. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. But then after she kept on going to the different clubs with me, and I'm catching your fights consistently, because uh, my own anger and rage, not ever, you know, not wanting someone to call, like, call me out or anything like that. She literally helped me because she's like, that's, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. That's not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel safe anymore in regards to that. So... That kind of slowed me down a little bit. Yeah. So I know you talked about your your mom and and how she was uh you know just really strong and trying to teach you something different. Now, how did that affect your guys' relationship? If uh you know you weren't the only child, right? No, I'm I'm the only child. Oh, so it's me and okay. my mama all my life. Yeah. So she must you know you were her pride and joy. So how did yeah. that you know how did that affect your guys' relationship? Well, she like I said, she's a praying mom. So yeah. at the end of the day, she just take it to prayer. My mom would tell you a story in regards to her waking up in the middle of the night, seeing me drinking a, uh, this brown liquor. My mom don't drink. She don't even know what it is. Well, it was Hennessy. I fit the Hennessy at that, right? <laughs> Every time we go out, everyone got a, a fit the Hennessy. Yeah. And she just prayed that I would not ever want to drink that, that alcohol again. Wow. Years later, I don't, I can't even smell Hennessy to this day. Yeah. To this day. So she took that to the Lord more, more, more than anything. And what she would tell most single moms is the fact that she was trying to find me a mentor. She was trying to find me a role model. She was trying to find me a father figure. Um, but the Lord told her to fast and pray. Mm-hmm. And since 2000 and 2001, when I went to jail for just a little bit, a couple of days, uh, from then till now, she's, she fasts and pray for me every week. Wow. A full day. 
Wow. Just for me. Wow. That's crazy. So as far as like a, a father figure, who would you say at that time was like figures for you? And I have an amazing father figure that's still my father figure to this day. He's the closest thing to an actual dad. Because even my pops, I call him pops. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's he's cool. We, 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 we built our relationship back before he passed away and all that. But the closest thing to a father figure dad is a white Canadian gentleman <laughs> by the name of Shane. Oh, really? And uh, to this day, he's still that. To this wow. day, I could go to him with anything and he'll have an answer. Wow. I don't care how much education, wisdom, understanding I have. I don't care how many accolades I get. I could go to him and ask him a question. He could always add value to me. And there's not too many people I, I could find that. Sometimes yeah. they're just talking. Yeah. Always add value. He, he took me. He just took me in. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we teach uh, about understanding and loving our kids is that it's always you always need one caring adult, right? And he was my one caring adult. Yeah. Now, hear my heart. I've had uncles. I've had aunties that, that's poured into me as well. So God bless them. I love them. I've had uncles and, and that, that's poured into me and loved on me. But the consistency of Shane being like a dad, mm-hmm. that, that changed my life. He taught me how to ride a bike. Didn't learn how to ride a bike till I was like nine, 10 years old. Wow. Just because I didn't have anyone to do that. Yeah. Didn't know how to throw a football. Didn't know how to catch a, catch a baseball or anything like that. And that my neighbor... Basically, he was my neighbor. He taught me all those different things. Wow! So he was—he was your neighbor. That's how you met him. He was my neighbor. Yup. Wow. He saw me. He saw me throwing a football by myself in the air, trying to catch it, missing it every damn time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, "Here, let me show you." Yeah. At that point on, he literally showed me everything. Wow. What part of LA did you grow up in? So we bounced from house to house for a little while. Right? Okay. So there's lots of different areas that we lived in, from west side areas to south side areas. But I ended up in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. we ended up in Hollywood because my grandmother lived in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell people, do not get it twisted. I probably should, we probably should have stayed on like Venice and Western mm-hmm. because I think I was safer there. Because <laughs> in Hollywood at the time, it was lots of Latino gangs really running Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, MS-13, Rebels, uh, you know, White Fence was around our neighborhood. And being a little black kid in that area wasn't the best for me at all. Yeah, so yeah. To be very honest with you, as much as my mom was trying to protect my protect me, protect my life and all that. I fought more there than I would have ever if we stayed in off of Venice and Western or off a of gauge or something like that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. How do you remember the first time meeting him? Like when he came and walked up to you and, and talked to you? Uh, in regards to Shane? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I do. Cause uh, he would always wave. So he's just a kind guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So someone that was just nice Meant, meant a lot. Mm-hmm. Especially he was white. So he should, he didn't belong over there and I was black. I didn't yeah. belong over there. Yeah. It was all a Latino hood. I mean, everyone there. Right. Mm-hmm. So neither one of us were both kind of like on the outskirts. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely do remember that. I wow. remember him just consistently. Uh, I, 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 I keep on saying that word consistent. Yeah. He consistently waved. He consistently, if he had something, he would offer it. Yeah. Whether it be a candy or something like that. Wow. Wow. So you briefly kind of talked a little bit about your experience going into jail, um, and what, like, what was the experience of that? Was that like a news flash? Was that an expectant? Like, did you expect to to probably fall I was, into that? I was shocked that I never, I wasn't in jail before. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm the smoothest dude ever. Yeah. I don't get caught for nothing. Yeah, like, literally. We and because we're also really big on stop, stop talking so much. Again, mm-hmm. remember, I'm like, say less. That's mm-hmm. like, say less. Uh, so lots of my homies never went to jail because we were just smart. We weren't dumb flashing things around or saying what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We are doing some high-end stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I ended up there, this was my prayer to the Lord. It wasn't to get me out. It wasn't anything like that. I literally, I was half drunk, 
I said, Lord, uh, am I going to get out of this? <laughs> not, not, not get me out of this, but am I going to get out of this? Right. And if he didn't, I wasn't tripping, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Not that I was that hard that I wanted to go to jail. I just know I, I take my consequences like a man. Mm-hmm. So if I know I did something, I'm going to be consequenced. I'm going to just take it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, I, I deserve it. Mm-hmm. So uh, am I going to get out of this? And with such a caring voice, I literally heard his voice that says, no, son, everything's going to be okay. Wow. What? <laughs> right? Which turns into a full testimony. I don't know if this, this is the podcast for it, but it turns into a straight spiritual thing that I preach and teach now. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. And so now kind of kind of taking it apart, like, what do you think was the main, like, thing that, you know, transformed your worldview? I mean, you came from, you know, this this area, and then you moved to Hollywood, experiencing even more situations, and then, you know, you dealt with a lot of fights and went through a lot of different things, but I'm sure at that point, your worldview was like, this is who I'm going to be, and this is what's going to happen, and you already had a pre-predicted plan for your life. What was the shift that made you kind of change as far as that? Yeah, so... Uh, because I was in such, my mom doesn't know half of this story, too. She knows, like, we're just now talking about different things, <laughs> about, okay, so, yeah, and when we got shot at, and when I did this, and when I had to pull it, you know, all these different things, she's like, what? Yeah. So, because, so, again, I didn't get caught for a lot of stuff, right? Um, but the shift was having a daughter at 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Nothing, ma- so I ride motorcycles, I jump out of planes, I do whatever. I, I, going 145 miles on 4, 405 is nothing. That, that was mm-hmm. at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So life to me was, if I die, I die. I'm not even tripping. I, I was more worried about at my funeral, will my grandma and my mom, will my mama cry? Wow. Nothing else really mattered. Never yeah. really feared death in the, in the least bit. That's why I think I was also so bold, because like, I'd have a gun to my hand, be like, shoot me then. Or put up the gun, because I'm going to put hands on if you if you don't. So what you going to do? Yeah. And that's kind of like my mentality. When I had a daughter that allowed me to know that life is worth living. Mm. And even though I had a relationship with God, so I'm going to get it twisted. I knew God as my savior, but I didn't know him as my Lord. Yeah. So I did what I wanted to do. Type yeah. Of thing. Yeah. It was when I was blessed with my daughter at 21 years old for my wife. Um, she was 22. I was 21. We were in college. Uh, and it literally changed my entire life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So she, I, I, to this day, she, hopefully I don't tear up because to, to this day, literally that I, that's how I look at her. She's, she was my lifeline. Wow. She's 18, almost 18 years old right now. That's, so that's crazy. That's my heart. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome too. Um, so as far as like your, your like life wise, like, did you see yourself like, I'm not going to make it past 21 or I'm not gonna make it past a certain age. Cause I, I talked to a lot of people that have yeah. the same background and worldview yeah. and it's like, they look at life as like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna make. I didn't see, see myself being at this age, you yeah. know. I took every day. I took one day at a time, right? Yeah. I think Nipsey says it's best. While while you're in crisis, you don't really have too much time to dream. Yeah. So you take every day, every day, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so I didn't didn't have the opportunity to really dream too much, other than everyone would be dreaming for me. Mm-hmm. I'll score the highest in in this test, or the highest on the end of this test, or one of the highest in the SATs, and I have all these teachers. Oh my gosh, you're going to be a this, and you're going to be a that. I'm like. Whatever, if it comes my way, it comes yeah. my way. So literally every day was was one day closer to that. But didn't really have dreams or visions in regards to that. And then after I start really getting in the, the niche of some things, I was like, well, dang, I might not make it. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be past 21. So when I got to when I got to 18, I was happy. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Right? <laughs> and then when I got to 21, that's when I had Jalen. Yeah. That's what really changed my life. So I was really just trying to get to 18 and then from 18 to 21. So... I've never experienced that. You know, I've always had like years kind of planned out of what, what I'm planning on doing. So what, like, what is the, the mindset of that, of like, 
knowing that maybe I won't make it until 21. The only people that really matter, you know, is, is my mom, is she going to be sad and, you know, a couple other people that, that will be sad. But I mean, what type of mindset does a person have when you kind of think in that place? Is it a place like, this is just the way I see, see life as like yeah. a worldview. Like most people didn't make it past that time. Or is yeah. it just like, I'm just reckless. And this is, this is the way I see it. You know, yeah, I call it my mental model. My mental model is just all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So I go hard on everything. So if I, I can't get one tattoo, I got to get over 50 to 75, you yeah. know, something like that. I yeah. can't do anything like that. So my, my whole model was just that, mm-hmm. uh, of, I don't know what to expect. So either I'm not going to do it, because it's not worth it, or I'm going to go super hard because I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep it. Wow. And I was extremely loyal because of that too. So anyone that I that I was that I was with, I wanted to be with that person, love on that person. All my homies were so close because we don't know if we're going to see each other tomorrow. So let, yeah. let's let's make sure everything's right now. Uh, all those values are values that I didn't know was going to add str- to what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I was called to do in my life right now, I did it back then, mm-hmm. just on a different side of the continuum. So let's just say positivity is right and negativity is left. It was on the same continuum. I was going just as hard as I'm going right now, just that I went left. Yeah. So I was cut, my, my name means healer. So I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to bring healing to the minds of hearts and, uh, and minds, to the minds of hearts uh, and minds of individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing just the opposite of what I was doing with my friends of causing havoc, jacking people, socking people out, hurting, fighting, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I still had that same gifting, though. So when I wasn't going in the right direction, I did really well doing it in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And I was good at it, and that became my character, mm-hmm. right? I teach all the time, your perception becomes your thoughts, your thoughts becomes your feelings, your feelings become your emotions, your emotions become your behavior, your behavior become your habits, your habits become your personality, your personality becomes your character. Mm-hmm. So my perception is like, whatever. Stephen Covey right there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so deep. So what do you want to do? And, and that's what aligned me to where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, so what was some of the, I mean, I, I, a lot of people out there like, you know, may come from your background or even just, you know, just even trying to change, you know, I think, I think the biggest struggle for a, a lot of people trying to find their purpose is trying to change. And it sounds like you had a habit of like, I'm not talking, I'm just going to sock you out or I'm doing this or whatever. Yeah. How was how the, the, the change, you know, to be able to switch from, from that to like, you know, using your gift to, to do something that's more positive. Yeah. It's funny that you even say that. Cause I, so I don't like the word change too much. Change yeah. is okay for me, but for me, it's about growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to be who I am. I'm always going to be, that's just me right right now. I'm, I'm, I probably should be in a suit while I'm in some J's and an LA hat. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Right. So for me, it's not about change or if it is about change, it's about growing into who I really need to be. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what really change is not changing the heart of really who I am. So I use that same mentality in regards to going hard for positive things. I use that same mentality of being loyal. I use that same mentality. The only thing that's really changed is I changed the all or nothing personality to all or something. Mm. So not just giving up on things or giving up on, on, on people. But the character as a whole is basically the same. Yeah. It's just that I've grown into the man of God that I've, I was always supposed to be. I was supposed to be kind-hearted. I was supposed to be loving. Yeah. The crazy thing is that I used to battle that as a child. Like I would protect handicapped kids, but then sock someone else out for their shoes. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you have that same mindset? Right. Yeah. So I was, I, it was an internal battle of really walking in my calling and, and not walking in my calling. Right. So when I decided to walk in my calling, I realized, oh, that's who I am anyway. Oh, I am a leader. 
Oz County all this money here and leading people on this side, oh, I could do the same thing here and just organize budgets to add value to people's lives. So same, same type of concept. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I think that what really, the root of that is understand is self-awareness, understanding who you really are. Yeah. So once you understand really who you really are, then you get to self-manage the way you're supposed to self-manage. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the way you said that. It's not about change, it's about growth and being able to step into where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, past trigger like having triggers and and habits and different things like that i mean how was how was how was you how were you able to kind of step into that growth of like switching into no longer being triggered about certain things yeah. but but actually the more trigger is like how can i you know help more people or whatever the case might be because i think that's a that's a growth stunt that a yeah, lot absolutely. of people can have you know and and, and again I, I love your questioning <laughs> Because the triggers, I, I identify triggers as trauma reminders, mm. right? So I don't, I believe anyone that's triggered off of something, you were reminded by that in regards to something that happened to you in your right. past. So a trauma right. reminder. So what I did, did was heal from my trauma reminders. Mm. I healed from my trauma. Mm. So once I was able to identify what my traumas were, be vulnerable enough to say, man, I wish I did have a dad. Mm. Man, I wish I wasn't neglected in this way. Man, I wish we weren't poor. Man, I wish all these various things. Right. Um, and once I was able to heal from that, then my triggers became less and less because mm-hmm. it was no longer reminding me of trauma because the trauma was already healed. Yeah. So once we can heal our, our past traumas, the triggers will lessen almost every, every yeah. single time. That's deep. I love that. Well, let's talk about healing. Let's talk about like kind of digging more deep into that, because I think a lot of people look at healing as like completely, uh, you know, trying to disappear the experience yeah. or disappear the idea of that. Um, but it sounds to me that a lot of, you know, the healing that you went through or the different things that you went through was things that propelled you to do what you are doing today. And so, you know, what does, what does that type of healing look like to still keep, you know, the, the, the experiences that you had, but change it into more of a positive rather than trauma? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Uh, really, again, it goes really back to understanding who you are Mm -hmm. and that self-awareness. Uh, I have a tattoo on my neck, and it's 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 actually backwards. So it says Second Corinthians three eighteen. Uh, the verse basically says something to the effect of, "With an unveiled face, you're a reflection of Christ." Mm. Well, even when I made my change, I'd keep on looking in the mirror and see the old Jason. Mm. Like, oh, you don't deserve this accolade, or you don't deserve this degree, or people are praising you for this, but you done this to this person, or you did that person that way. So I had to almost use that as a reminder in regards to forgiving myself. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I think that's where most people struggle. If they really want to get to the place of growth, change, development, who they want to be, it's really forgiving your past, mm-hmm. right? Because your past don't need you. Mm-hmm. Your future needs you. Your present and your future needs you. So I had to forgive myself of my past, utilize my past in regards to what direction I need to go, whether it be a right or a wrong, you know, a right way or a left way type of thing. But then after I learned to forgive myself from, for, for, from some of those things, I was able to utilize that for my current because I'm really big about mindfulness in regards to where am I in the moment? Am I yeah. supposed to be here in the moment? What am I, what am I supposed to get out of this experience and then continue to move towards the future? Yeah, that's deep. Are you still forgiving yourself now? Yeah. Yeah. Every day. I think it's an everyday process Yeah, because right? we're not perfect. So some things, you know, so, so at one point, at one point in my life, if you, if you cut me off, I'll snatch you out your car. Yeah. Right. And I put hands on you. Mm-hmm. So then I got to the place of like, Lord, I can't do that no more. So I'll just cuss you out. I'll just chase you down, cuss you out a little yeah. bit. <laughs> then I got to the place of like, okay, I can't chase the people down anymore. All right, so I'm just cussing you out of my head. Yeah. And then then I got to the place of, 
okay, I'm going to stop just cussing. Yeah. And then to be honest with you now, and it's not, not, it's not to brag, but overall I'm in a place right now, if someone does that and any type of feelings that may even come up for me, like I feel disrespected, I'll pray for the protection of that person. Yeah. If they're trying to get their one car length ahead of me to get to work or something like that, God bless your heart. Take that car length. Yeah. Right? But each one of those stages was wholeness for me. Mm-hmm. So by the time I start stop snatching people out of their car, that was wholeness. But people don't understand that. That yeah. was wholeness. Okay, that's where I'm at. Now I got to keep on moving forward. And that's why I say growth is so important. So I still haven't primated it yet because sometimes, and my wife will even tell you, uh, you know, don't don't drive behind that person or don't 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 flash your light behind that person or something like that, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I might I might still be triggered, mm-hmm. but that doesn't stop me from still doing what where I'm called to do now is to pray for that person to get to their destination. Yes, yeah. right. So. That's deep. I love that. So I know you mentioned a lot of different people that played a, a, a good a big part in your life and being able to kind of transition from one worldview to a different or just grow a certain type of way. Um, talk to us a little bit about the importance of like uh, you know people supportive you know supportive environment um because you know at one point you were hanging with certain dudes uh that kind of had you thinking a certain way and then you started meeting different people your wife neighbor all these different things that kind of saw something else in you um you know like what's the importance in that because i think a lot of people once again have a hard time transitioning in that growth process but still you know want to be around the same same environment uh, expecting different results and i think the you know even just the fact of you talking about forgiving yourself and really um trying to change those triggers um you know sometimes the voices in your head kind of get so loud that you can't even you can't change it you know what i mean yeah, yeah. you can't you can't transfer and um you know i think it's it's important to have different people around you that will help you uh create a different dialogue in your in your head you know yeah. Um, so yeah, so talk about like some of those people. Yes, yeah, so I'm really I'm really big on who's your support system, mm-hmm. and and I ask that question in that way: Who is your support system? Not do you have one? Mm-hmm. You have to have one. If you mm-hmm. don't have one, if you're on an island on your own, you're already messing up. You're already five steps, ten steps back. Right? Yeah. So who is your support system? Uh, so I make sure to have a mentor for almost everything I do. Mm-hmm. I have a business mentor. I have a, a ministry mentor. I have a marriage mentor. You know all these various things in my life, so I can have someone to be able to talk to. So my goal was to be able to create an environment around myself that I could ask for help. Nice. Uh, as an only child and as a leader, I used to try and do everything on my own. Yeah. Or I could just pray about it. It's, me and, it's just me and God. Yeah. But now I've decided, I, I realize that it takes a bunch of people. In, in the word specifically, Adam could have been had just a relationship with, with God by himself. Mm-hmm. But the Lord says it's better for man not to be alone, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, those type of statements and my belief, I've always built a circle around me. That could add value mm-hmm. and add value because the circle around you that don't add value is a cage. Right? Yeah. So, so then you want that circle of people who are going to consistently speak into your life and challenge you on, yeah. on those various things. So that was my goal. And some of my friends from my past, I still love them. Right? Yeah. So I, it's never a disrespect. Hence the reason why I'm not telling you some stuff from my past. Cause I don't want to put them out there like that. Right. Yeah. But I still love them, but they don't have that. There's a boundary there. We yeah. don't have that intimate relationship anymore. Literally yeah. out of everyone, I only have one true friend right now that from that life till now that we're still close because because I know we've, we're both growing, right? Yeah. But I'm very careful in regards to who, who I surround myself with. Wow, that's deep. Elaborate a little bit on that cage comment because I think that's, that's a big thing is that, you know, sometimes we, um, especially in living out your purpose or kind of doing different things that are more philanthropists or whatever yeah. the case might be, we could be pouring out so much that yeah. we don't necessarily even think about the people that should be pouring into us as well. And so um, really, I guess, really understanding, you know, 
having a group of people that aren't pouring into you, what do you mean by cage? Yeah, people that can dream with you, people mm-hmm. that can seek the Lord with you, pray over you, envision things for you, walk you through your process. Uh, as soon as you say you want to do something, they're giving you things that could allow you to get to that place mm-hmm. uh, and not doubters or people like, oh, we can't do that or you can't do that or why would you do that, right? Mm-hmm. I, was in, I was in a group meeting with uh, lots of with some folks not that long ago and they said, what's your biggest, what's your biggest dream? I said, well, I think I'm going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. So I'm saying this out loud right now, too. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to think I'm going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Not one person flinched. Mm-hmm. Not one person. Oh, yeah. for sure you can. Yeah. And I could see it in this. Yeah. And this is what I could see in that. And, and they're already adding value to my dream. That sounds almost ridiculous for some folks. Yeah. Right? But son, that's what you need. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's really big. Yeah. If, you, if not that, then you have a, a circle, same circle, but that's entrapping you in the, their mindset. They're non-dreaming. They're looking at the glass half empty instead of half full. Mm-hmm. My group of people don't even want to. We're just happy to have a glass. Mm-hmm. So it's not even about, oh, is it half empty or half full? Thank God I have a glass, right? Yeah. So that type of concept. Yeah. No, I love that. I think I think that's important to have. And I think just touching on the, the value part is like people that are genuinely uh, genuinely see the good in you, see yeah. see your potential, see what you can do. Because um, there's many times where you have you think you have this uh, this supportive circle, and and they may not be genuine. You know, yeah. they may just want They're just cheerleaders. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. But when someone can say, "Oh, you can do that without flinching," it's it, there's no doubt in their heart because they know the qualities that you bring as a person, and they know who you are. And I think you know that's important, and it's it's kind of difficult to kind of shift out. You know those individuals and, and not, but it's, it's important to kind of sit back and, and think about those things, yeah. you know? So yeah, the best, the, the, with such grace, someone said, um, yeah, I could see that because you don't care about the award. You care about the work. Yep. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was like, thank you for seeing me. Yeah. I don't care about the award. I do. I, I care about the work. I care about changing this world. Right. Yeah. So what, well, when that person said that now that's intimacy though, and that's mm-hmm. intimacy with your, with your circle of people. But it also takes, so on my end, it took me being vulnerable to, mm-hmm. to receive that. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't have that circle because we're not vulnerable enough to say what we need, what mm-hmm. we want, what we wish for, what we desire, right? So my business mentor knows I need to talk to you about this type of stuff. Now, my business mentor is not my marriage mentor. Mm-hmm. So it's also putting people on the right seat of the bus that you want them to go down, right? Okay. Yeah. In this bus, this is where I need you at. And in this bus, this is where I need you at. And I need you on this specific seat. Yeah. Right? That's from good to great. It's not my idea. That's that's from a, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But that concept. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for for you know your background and everything, I mean, let's dive a little bit into vulnerability. I mean, from a hardcore tatted up dude that, you know, did a bunch of different things. Uh was vulnerability easy when you started stepping into that and into those supportive groups? Yeah, no, vulnerability is still hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wrote, I'm writing a book about vulnerability, the art oh, of vulnerability, wow. right? Okay. And well, I don't know if that's a, that, might, that might be the uh, the title. Um, yeah. But I think there's still some life lessons I need to learn before I finish the, the last chapters, just mm. because I haven't finished yet, mm. right? Uh, so I think it's always you're always growing in vulnerability, and vulnerability to me is much like Brene Brown says, it's all about courage. It's the it's the, it's the capacity of literally being courageous enough to just live your life and be open and to say, this is what I need and this is what I want. Yeah. I think a lot of times we, we want to be loved. Uh, let's just say if we're going by inches, uh, by three feet, but I don't know if you're going to, I don't know if you're really going to backstab me. So I'm just going to allow you to love me one foot. Yeah. And then therefore we don't allow, we don't, we're not vulnerable enough to really receive what we need to receive. 
And I think that's what true authenticity really is. So yeah. once you're self-aware, you know how to self-manage. Once you know how to self-manage, now you're socially aware. Yeah. Once you're socially aware, now you know how to socially manage. Yeah. I think that once you know who you are and whose you are, and you're able to share that concept uh, with other people openly and vulnerably, then that's how people are able to love you. Yeah. Most people don't know how to love us because we haven't taught them how to love us. Yeah. 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 What do you think people are afraid of to sh- when they when as far as trusting people? Uh, well, from all that's, that goes back to the, those triggers, those trauma reminders. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that adult never did this, or my dad never did this, so why should you do that? Or my mom did that. You know, all these various things. So we go back to the past. Mm-hmm. And again, I told you, your past don't need you. Your present and your future needs you. So that could be a model, but that doesn't mean that's that's your truth. Yeah. So you you recreate your truth. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, to fast forward, uh, let's talk a little bit about your role as the United States uh, Director for for Zoe. Um, what, what got you into that? How'd you step into that role? Uh, for a while, so I've been working with gang members and juvenile sex offenders. Uh, if you put the two times together, for about twelve years altogether, I've been working with at risk youth now for almost 20 years. Wow. And I saw Zoe and they're a Christian organization that just loves God. Right. Mm. So I was like, Oh God, I like that. I uh, went to a walk one day and our founder spoke. And if you know anything about human trafficking and if we go into the depth of human trafficking is it's basically a modern day type slavery. Yeah. You're, 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 you're selling someone, you're selling another human life to another person that thinks that they could actually buy that life. Like it's crazy to me. Right. Yeah. So when you bring it back to, the heritage or the or the, the history of uh, of slavery as a whole, you know, it's kind of hurtful to say that this is still happening. Mm-hmm. We're not over this yet. Mm-hmm. So my founder, who is a Japanese woman, right? She's married to our other founder. Um, but she said, if I lived during that time of year of, of, of when there was slavery, I would have fought and I probably would have died to make sure this wouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. And because it's happening now, I'm going to fight, I'll, even if it comes to the part, part, to the point of death, yeah. so this doesn't happen anymore. Wow. And I'm finding myself crying. Wow. I'm listening to her speak, just find myself crying. Yeah. And I just asked the Lord, how could I be a part? Yeah. To make a long story short, I became the United States director months and months <laughs> after that because I asked him, how do, how do I be a part? And everything just aligned to the point where I was able to do that. Wow. Uh, this organization, I've never worked for an organization or be a part of a ministry that's so so vast in vision and working in such excellence under such great leadership. Uh, so I love to be in a place where I could grow. Oftentimes where I go, I'm the top leader. Yeah. I, I'm always teaching everybody else. Now, granted, thank God he's brought me to a place to be able to do that here as well. But to be able to sit under leadership and consistently learn, that's huge for me. Yeah. Not too many places for me right now that I've found that. Wow. At the age of 18, would you think you would be where you're at now? The age of 18, 18, no. <laughs> I mean, being the director of, of nah, uh, nah. child trafficking. Now, so I knew I was going to be successful, right? Put it that way. So I, I said, if I make it, I'll be successful because I'm everything I do, I could, I, I'll do it well. Mm-hmm. But to actually where I'm at specifically at 18, no. Yeah. I was really just, again, trying to make it to 21. But when I got to college, it kind of gave me so it gave me perspective. Yeah. I found um, a, a little story is that I was walking down, uh, I was in CSUN walking down. I had a Kobe Bryant jersey on. This is 19... 99, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I'm walking down a hallway and there is a, and I got, I got two initials tied in my back arms, right? I have only the, a jersey on and there's someone saying, what's up, cuz? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I ain't even turning around. I'm just going to keep on walking. Cause <laughs> I, cause I just, uh, hey, cuz, you know? So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to have to turn around. So yeah. I turn around and look 
and it was an old gentleman in his late 60s, all white locks in his hair. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still looking like, oh, I guess that person was just pl- playing with me, and they probably just ran out, ran, ran away. So, so I kept on walking. He said, cuz, it's me. <laughs> I'll talk to you, cuz. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I turned back around and said, sir, are you talking to me? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, can you come in right quick? He's like, uh, I could just look by your tattoos. I know where you're from type of thing. And he was, he was just talking to me. Same gentleman became my mentor. Mm. Same gentleman poured into me. He was, he was from, he was from the Crenshaw area. He had, he had a tattoo shop right on Crenshaw, taste tattoos, uh, professor Obiani. Wow. And he poured into me and mentored me and helped me through all kinds of life situations. When I was, when I got kicked out of CSUN twice, mm. he, he helped me with that concept. And wow. So if you listen to this, I can't find you. So hit, hit, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> Obiani, I'm still trying to find you. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, and so as far as at Zoe, I mean, Talking about child trafficking, I read somewhere that was like forty million. You know, yeah. people are you know child children are are being trafficked uh, throughout the you know United States or just America. I mean, or in the country, in the world, in the world, yeah. yeah. Um, so over forty forty point three billion people on Earth. Wow, right 40, it's billions, billion, wow, and it's a hundred and fifty billion dollar organization. <sighs> yeah, that's crazy. So. I'm sure you kind of, I know you went to Thailand a little while ago and uh, what was that experience like being able to see up close, like in another country, like yeah. some of the women that were trafficked that you guys are uh, Yeah, So going to Thailand just give me a different perspective just because of uh, the culture there. Mm-hmm. So we went to the red light, red light district. Right. And I didn't know that we were there mm-hmm. because there is a brothel here and then there's a donut shop here and there's a restaurant here and a clothing shop and another brothel and then another brothel and then a strip club and then a clothing shop. Wow. And then, you know, so I was like, what? I thought I was going to be in some nasty, dirty, disgusting. I can't believe what we're, what we're seeing. And I can't wait to pray over you and yeah. fight for this. Yeah. And the fact that it was so close together was like, right. just blew my mind away. I personally didn't see it, but I know in those same places, they have menus of children. Wow. So then you, you order a child by their looks, whether their height or eyes or anything like that. Yeah. And so, but what I always, anytime I have a mic or I have to share is the fact that we have the same thing here. Yeah. There's no, there's actually really no difference other than the aesthetics or the look. But on Figueroa, you go there right now, there's 14 year olds that are there and people call them prostitutes. Yeah. And we would say, absolutely not. There is no such thing as a child prostitute because a child can't give consent for that. Yeah. So there's a person paying them to rape them. Right. And there's another adult basically receiving money for you to rape them, managing them, also known as a pimp or a trafficker, right? And once we get to that concept of understanding that, I think we'll understand human trafficking a little better. When I go, when I, when I teach, I say, how many of you guys would be okay if a 13-year-old year old and a 55-year-old were in a sexual relationship? And everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. Heck no, right? Mm-hmm. So I say, so what's the difference when there's $100 left on the, on the, on the table? Mm-hmm. There isn't. Mm-hmm. She's still a baby. Yeah. Right. And she's really not even making a choice if you don't have any choices. And yet there's another adult coercing her to do that. Mm-hmm. So once we change that mindset to not look at this as, oh, this person was promiscuous or they wanted it. Once we're able to look at them as a victim, then I believe uh, human trafficking will really significantly start to change. So our heart's desires, we do prevention, rescue and restoration. Mm-hmm. So in the prevention part, we go and teach it as much as we can. Anywhere I have a microphone, you won't hear me talk about it because it's, it's, it, we're unaware. Yeah. I was unaware. I was a therapist working with juvenile sex offenders and on all that, I will drive down Figueroa. I would see that. I would see that young girl. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry she made this poor decision. God yeah. bless her. 
And yeah. I'll literally say a little prayer for her and keep it going. Yeah. Not really realizing, no, this is not a decision. If yeah. you don't have any choices, that's not a choice. Mm-hmm. If someone's making you have a choice, you don't have a choice. The young girls that we serve, they don't know their favorite color. They don't even know their favorite food. Wow. Their favorite food and favorite color is whatever the trafficker says it is. So uh, redignifying them. Yeah. Allowing them to be a child again, human again, and not an object is my life desire right now. That's crazy. Yeah. Have you ever counseled any of these? Uh, some I, have. Of the, yeah? I have. Yeah. Okay. So the trauma bond and the, the trauma, the PTSD and all these various things that these youth struggle with is as high, if not higher than clients I've had personally that went to Iraq or mm-hmm. was in Afghanistan in a war or anything like that. Same concept mm-hmm. because of the brutality of what, what that really looks like. Wow. That's crazy. And so as we wrap up here, just kind of thinking about just the, the process of one that goes through child trafficking. Um, I know you said that most of them don't really have a choice. Um, what, you know, how does one kind of get involved in that? Is it, you know, someone they meet and they just kind of fall into it? Like what, yes. for those that don't, you know, yeah, know. So there's many really um, ways of entry, mm-hmm. right? But I'm going to just go off of the very general perspective is, Oftentimes it's a girl, but it could be girl or boy, and it can and it could also be someone that identifies as transgender. Um, but in the most cases, you'll hear us say girls because it's about ninety percent girl in Los Angeles County, seventy percent African American, mm-hmm. right? So you get this little girl who was possibly molested in her past. Uh, father's in jail, mother's on drugs, right? And it's not not the exact case, but I'm just giving you something like this. So then she ends up in foster care. So she doesn't really have anyone really even looking for her. She has mm-hmm. she has foster parents, but not really so much. So she has a lot of unmet needs. Yeah, and uh, she 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 just needs to be loved and she needs to be comforted and all this very stuff. Uh, back in the day, my mom used to say, "Don't go by that white van," because if you go by that white van, there's some dirty old person that's going to try and give you candy, try and kidnap you. Right. right. Well, that dirty van and that dirty person now is called the internet. Mm-hmm. It's called Instagram, Facebook, and all that. So people utilize that platform to be able to stalk our girls. Yeah. And so, and then they don't look the way you think they're going to look. Yeah. Tall, handsome guy with a nice smile, dressed nice, not smelly, not the pimp wearing green and yellow that most people think it is and furry hats. No, it's not that. It's, it's your neighbor. Yeah. It's, it's, or someone's dad sometimes. Right. Yeah. So then when she comes across that person and he studies her sometimes on social media or something like that, he meets every one of her needs. Yeah. She wants to go to college, but don't know that she wants to go to college, but always puts on Instagram. I want to go to USC. She loves the Lakers and she loves the LeBron and she loves the Dodgers or something to that effect, right? So he studies her. She she does it. She she basically shows herself on a selfie that she's at in and out every Tuesday after practice or something like that, right? Um, so he comes there at a, at a spot uh, with an LA hat on, with Laker tickets, and tells her how beautiful she is, which is an unmet need, how how whatever, and he's just romancing her basically. And says, you want to go to a game with me? And now she thinks this is divine. She mm-hmm. thinks it's a divine connection because of that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not every story. That's like that. that but that is a story in regards yeah. to now he's my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he, he allows her to feel that she's uh, in a romantic relationship until, he, until not. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, I got to pay rent, so I'm going to need you to do this for me. Or I'm going to need you to do that for me. Or I'm going to need you to take this date type of thing. And she doesn't want to. Who, no one grows up say I want to do porn, I want to do be a stripper, or I want to be paid for sex and be raped uh, ten times a night. Yeah, no one that doesn't happen. Yeah. But then when you're coerced into it, it's almost okay. I'm gonna do this for you because you're doing it for me. And sometimes it happens the fact that she was already molested. Mm-hmm. Okay, well 
I've been molested before. People take advantage of me before. So, okay, at least now let me get some power out of it. Yeah. We get to live off of it. And yeah. now she's looking at it as a boyfriend thing. Now, that's not the only way. There's kidnappings and there's all these various ways of people doing this as well. But that's how a lot of it, specifically in L.A., uh, kind of looks. Wow, that's crazy. So it's basically more of a psychological it's effect. A grooming, it's a yeah. grooming. And most people are like, okay, why don't she just run away? What's a trauma bond? Yeah. Uh, that's It's much like domestic violence. Then mm-hmm. why is everyone not running away from the trauma that they they have been a part of? Or people who've been molested by a brother or a sister or something like that, why didn't you run away? Well, it yeah, is not being vulnerable, not wanting to share that. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, there's guilt, there's shame, all this other stuff, all this ter- turmoil. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's basically emotional handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Is what I call it. Wow, that's uh, that's crazy. I never kind of thought about the idea of uh, trauma bound and and kind of looking looking at looking at it from that perspective. Is there's you know, and we could see even outside you know child trafficking, we could see trauma bound and and various other places yeah, besides lots just, of different situations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even just when it comes to people trying to find their purpose, bringing it, you know, back to that, it's just, you can be stuck in the past and that past is feeding a certain fuel or feeding a certain expectation or idea of who you are. Just like you said, for the, you know, for the young women, it's like, they can just think that this is who they are. They got molested, you know, at that point, And this is just how my life is going to play out. Um, which is, and the sad thing, it goes back to what you were talking about. Who's your circle. Yeah. So if three of your best friends are going through the same process and you don't have an adult that one caring adult to stand up for you to be able to pull you out of it and tell you what your worth really is and help you really identify and get become self-aware then that's your neighborhood yeah and sometimes in our or in our urban neighborhoods there's no care for that mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so no one's really paying attention and then then there's words for it oh now you're a this or a that yeah so now you're taking on that characteristic of what people are calling you yeah and I love how you touched on social media. I mean, that that is literally the support group, quote unquote, of what they try to teach you. They bring you all the information that you feel that you need or what you, yeah. you, you know, what you expect. And you kind of get wrapped up into that um, expectation. So. That's how people are feeling connected now. Yeah. In fact, why they're calling it social. Mm-hmm. It's really antisocial. It's, yeah. very, it's very opposite of that. Yeah. I mean, I think the heart of it probably started off well. Yeah, but the fact that you think that you have you know six thousand friends, it's not really, and they're not really looking yeah. at your, your daily life. <laughs> yeah, that's not accurate. Yeah, and much like you said, as far as the the child trafficking, I mean, the pimps' main goal is to pull you away from that supportive group. Absolutely, you know, um, and try to only uh, help them be able to think one way, and that's just serve me. You that's know, the grooming process of isolating that person from whoever is really over them and with them. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is most of these girls don't have that anyway. Yeah. So yeah. the goal is to kind of build family around them again. Yeah. And to build up their family at times. So some girls is more so educating their family mm-hmm. and helping them, helping them as well. Awesome. That's deep, man. Um, before we kind of close this out, you know, what are some of the breadcrumbs that you saw within your life of just kind of leading you into this direction? I'm a strong believer that there's a bunch of different signs and that God's kind of showing you, during your life, um, people that come into your life and different things like that, that kind of, you know, step you into that purpose. Um, what were, what would you say now that you're, you know, ha- you know, you're leading in, in the consulting area as well as counseling and, you know, Zoe and different things like that. Like, what would you say would be some of those breadcrumbs? Uh, the biggest breadcrumb is just understanding purpose. Mm-hmm. So once I was able to fully understand my purpose and my role, then I start looking at my life I'm like, oh, okay, well, I fit in here and I add value here. So then I was able to say, 
Where can I add value? Mm-hmm. I'll, often people say, I'm worth this and I'm worth that. Well, everyone's worth a lot just because God made you, right? Well, how much value are you really bringing to a situation? So when I was able to identify the value that I brought to different situations, then it allowed me to go down those various places. Like, okay, so maybe I could do this here and I could add value. So my heart's desire is consistently to identify where can I add value. Yeah. yeah. And you were able to see your heart through, you know, your hardness. I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, you've been kind of mentoring me since I was like 16 and yeah. doing a lot of different things uh, that I've been trying to, you know, kind of guide myself to 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 find that purpose within myself. But um, your heart is just an amazing heart to be able to just give back. And even just the times where you were at that hard point, you talked about an experience where you knocked out somebody that was messing with somebody that's a, that was a handicap. Yeah. These are, these are different breadcrumbs that are kind of showing you like, okay, you, you got a huge heart and, yeah. it, and it's going to like, it's going to be for something bigger than you. And, yeah. you know, you just got to kind of channel that, that energy into something that's purposeful. And so, and pay attention. Yeah. So I would say anyone that's listening to this, pay attention to what's going on in your life, right? This instant, pay attention to where you add value, where you take away value. Mm. Are you, how are you adding value to someone's life right this instant? Yeah. And how are you taking away from someone's life? And if you're taking away from someone's life, just stop. Yeah. Uh, it's just a choice. Yeah. So we're one choice away from living the life we really want to live or do the things we want to do. So, it's just about making that choice. Yeah. And it's when I decided to look through those breadcrumbs and make various choices, then I was able to grow. Mm-hmm. And again, some of them, it was in the change because it's more so, okay, I'm going to just do it this way. Yeah. And I was growing and maturing in those different areas. That's deep, man. Well, my last question is, uh, you know, how would you define purpose and uh, uh, how do you, uh, what's your way of sharing that purpose? Okay. Uh, the way I define purpose is understanding why God made me. And what he wants me to accomplish. Mm. And nothing else matters. Yeah. And when nothing else matters, then I, I see how that relates to every aspect of my life. Awesome. And then to me, that's what su- success looks like, too. Awesome. That success only looks like me fulfilling my purpose. Love that. So where can some of these people find you? Oh, uh, on Instagram at Dr. underscore Jason underscore Plunkett. And I ain't on fa- I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it. <laughs> Just that. Yeah, yeah me so neither. please... Uh, Hit me up on Instagram. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in and joining Purpose Therapy and just being able to kind of share your life and talk about where you came from and where you are today. And uh, yeah, man, uh, thank you for all your service at Zoe. And and I, I pray that you continue to to just, you know, change the world one step at a time, man. Appreciate you and appreciate this. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. All right.